0: Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gulf Reef, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger for this week's message from Story Point Church. Open your Bibles for just a few moments, and I want Jeff to come back, and we're going to just have a conversation here. But I want to lay a biblical foundation briefly of why children are important to God. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells two parables and then he goes on to to really drive home the point. The first parable is about ten virgins and the second parable is the parable of the talents. And the basic idea behind these two parables is this. We have been given the responsibility to steward or to manage God's possessions and God's resources and we're to be mindful that there is an end date in sight. There's coming a day where it will no longer be possible for people to be saved because Jesus is going to return and and wrap all the things up. We call that the, the, the rapture and the second coming and all these terms here but the bottom line is this there's coming a day when the gates of heaven will be closed. This is not an eternal opportunity. This is a a limited opportunity for people to come to faith in Christ. For you and me, it might be the day that we die. But for the world, eventually, Jesus is going to come back and restore his kingdom. And so there's there's an end date. And the idea here is we ought to always be mindful of the fact... That while we have breath, while we have the opportunity, while we have the resources, we should use everything at our fingertips and in our power to expand the kingdom of God, to bring people into the kingdom of God so that they would know Jesus for who Jesus is. And so yeah, that's what the parable of the ten virgins is basically about. That's what the parable of the talents is about. And then Jesus speaks in chapter 25, verse 31. He, he tells us what it means for a person to be a good manager. He he describes what it looks like for someone to be faithful to the kingdom, faithful to the gospel. And in verse 31 it says, "...when the Son of Man comes in all of His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne... All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer him, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it unto me. And the point is this, a tree will be known by its fruit. If you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And because of that, you've been changed and you've been given a new purpose and a new reason for living. You see, BC, before Christ, your purpose for living was you. I mean, that only makes sense if there's nothing else, if there's, if there's no one higher on the throne of your heart but you, why would not you be the recipient of all that you have? In fact, it would even be hard to acknowledge that all that we have is not because of us. If, We're BC, before Christ. But when we become a believer in Jesus, when we trust him with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our strength, when we begin to love him, we begin to see that he's worthy. And he's worthy not just of our attention and not just of our heart, but he's worthy of our hands and our feet, and he's worthy of our mouth, and he's certainly worthy of our resources. And what we recognize is that all that we have is a gift from God. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above. And so he gives us these gifts. And because we love him, we begin to use these gifts for him and his name's sake. And the way that we do that looks like the way Jesus did it. Who did Jesus go to? Now, Jesus cared about the religious uh, people, he cared about the kings, and he cared about people in powers of authority. But a majority of his life was spent with the marginalized and with the set-aside and with the unpopular, with the broken and with the wounded, with the prisoner, with the hungry. In fact, he had incredible grace for people who were just set out to die. He kind of, not kind of, he really did rewrite the rules or at least clarify the rules of God's heart and that God loves... All people, but the least of these seem to have some sort of a special place in God's heart. Now, I can't say that. I'm not saying that as a theological statement. I'm just saying it seems to be that God took extra attention and extra time with the least of these. In fact, you can go into the Old Testament and see this. In the book of Ruth, you have the the concept of the kinsman redeemer. It was a way that God prepared for families to take care of those in their family who would have needs and not have a protector. And if you go all the way throughout uh, the rest of the Old Testament, you'll find times where those who were set aside, God would specifically come to them and say, I'm a God who sees you. I'm a God who hears you. I'm a God who knows you. In times of harvest, there was a rule that that you couldn't harvest everything in your field. You had to leave some of the field for those who were poor and those who were strangers and those who were aliens. God always has in mind the least of these. What I want to say to you, church, is that as a church, that has really always been our heartbeat, too. And it still is our heartbeat. If you look at the different missions that we do and the different things that that I ask you to do, it's, it, it's oftentimes to the prison, or it's to the neighborhood that, that is not super well off, or it's to the childle- or to the fatherless child. It's, it's to the places that oftentimes get overlooked. That's not because we don't love everybody. It's because we know that access gets more and more limited in places of abandonment. And so with compassion, the one thing I love about this is that they are explicitly gospel-centered. They want to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. And when they had the chance to bring more money into the organization by just changing their Jesus stance just a little bit, just making Jesus a little bit smaller, what they chose to do was instead make Jesus more of a priority. Because none of the stuff matters. If Jesus isn't the point, I'm all for feeding the poor. I'm all for helping with job creation. I'm all for justice. I'm all for all of these things, but all of it is for naught. It's only for temporary cessation of pain if Jesus isn't the driving force of what we do. That's why me personally, I donate to ministries and to things that will do these good causes in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong not to. I'm just saying for me, that's my own conviction. Because for me, I want to always point people back to the one who, who alone can save. So this morning, you are going to have an opportunity to steward on a, in a different way. The resources that God has given you. I told you last week that we never want to do things out of compulsion or guilt. Guilt's a horrible motivator. Guilt robs you of the joy of the act of serving and the act of loving. So leave guilt out of it and just ask God, God, is this something that you're asking me to do as a steward? And if the answer is no, then you say Thank you, Lord, and you walk on. It's fine. It really is because the truth is we can't all do everything that comes before us. Even if I were a multi-billionaire, I couldn't do everything I want to do. I tell people no all of the time. And I hate doing that, but I realize that you can, as the old saying goes, you're a country boy, right? You can't get blood from a turnip, right? The truth is you can't do everything. But I also know that if you don't know about an opportunity, it's hard for you to consider saying yes. So we have over in this room, and we'll talk about this later, but we have in this room a number of children on a wall that you can have the opportunity to support. If you choose to do that, you're entering into a relationship with that child. This is what makes compassion so amazing. You're not just sending money to a group, and that group does all the work. You're actually partnering with that group for that child. You get a child's face. You get a child's name. They are a real kid that you are supporting. And you have the opportunity to write letters to that child, and that child write letters back to you. You have an opportunity to celebrate their birthday with them and send them a birthday gift. And here's the neat part. Every child that is sponsored, when they're sponsored, a notebook is started on them. So that five years from now, you can go to where that child is and you can say, I'd like to see what is going on with my child. They'll pull out a book and they'll say, well, five years ago you started on this date. They trusted Jesus on this date. Their parents trusted Jesus on this date. You sent a birthday present on this date. And all of that is accounted for. And open to your viewing. I don't know any other When I heard that, I thought to myself, you're doing that for two million kids? Through the church that is on site? Blew my mind. So, we're going to talk some more about the details. But let me bring Jeff up. Jeff, come on up. You, got your, you have your mic? Okay, grab your mic if you will. You want right or left? Whatever. Okay, you sit on the left because that's where the goats go. So, I want to I wanna give you uh, just an explanation of the, the fire pit here. So, um, we've got, by the way, we're, we're kids churches in here today, in case you didn't figure that out. Sorry. Um, so, when we were in um,
1: South, Dakota. South
0: Dakota, one of the best parts about each night is we'd come and we'd, we'd start the fire. And so,
1: everybody else a little nervous right now? Okay.
0: There we go. Ah, you hear the crickets? Yeah, I I turned it down real low because we really don't want it on. (laughs) I just wanted to. (laughs) So actually, before we start, can we do something? Would Would you just sing with me? That song, Listen to Our Hearts. No, no, not let's, let's do the He Knows My Name. Can we do that? Yeah. He knows my, my name. name. you seen the background though, will you? Sure. He knows my <laughs> name. I just want to be able to say I, I did a duet when Jeff Moore sang background to me. <laughs> and I think that qualifies I'm it. I'm starting to
1: really rethink all the stuff I said about Jeff before I get up here.
0: I'm sorry, I've been working on that joke That's all good. morning, keep, but it was pretty keep, sweet, you gotta admit. Yeah, keep working, okay, yes, <laughs> hi. All right, so um, we're going to talk about compassion, but folks really do want to know, we, we had an entire week to talk about these things, and I was just blown away by the stories, but you've, you've actually written a bunch of different songs, right? Tell us just a few of the songs we might recognize with some of the folks you've written.
1: Uh, well, you know, with my band, The Distance, we made like 20, I, I guess I've made about 25 albums, so a wow. lot, a lot, and I've written songs about friendship like a uh, friend like you and I wrote a song about baseball called home run that was played a bunch and uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman and I have written a ton of songs together if you love his music any of your favorite songs of his I pretty much wrote all of those <laughs> and so uh, but We did write listen to our hearts. He and I wrote together. We wrote his song the great adventure uh, Speechless live out loud all all, all his songs and um, yeah, I've had a very blessed life of doing that.
0: So in, in all of your travels and, you know, being on stage and all, you have transitioned to where uh, you're not doing that so much anymore. I mean, you're doing this, but, but it's the big concerts and stuff you're not really doing a whole lot of, right?
1: Right, yeah. I, I did for, for 20, almost 25 years, I played 150 shows a year. And uh, it was like being in the circus, you know. <laughs> we were on tour buses, and it was crazy. And then, in the kind of early two thousands, I started slowing down, and uh, and now I'll do I do about forty things a year that are either like this, or you know, uh, I'll do a I'll do a bunch of non like nonprofit stuff, and then I'll do a couple of like Stephen and I toured together last year, so once in a while we'll do it, and I can get the tour itch. But yeah, I've seen enough. I think I've traveled two million, I think I've traveled two million miles on a tour bus. So, crazy.
0: Crazy. And yet, compassion is something that has gripped your heart. Out of all the things you could have done, why did you choose compassion?
1: Yeah, great question, man. I, I, um, you know, one of the things, you know, music, people say, what's, what's, like, a, what's like being in, a, in music full time? What's that like? And I often tell people it's like a key and that music opens a ton of doors, right? It's like, I mean, when I went to China to adopt our girls, we sang for, like, all these top government officials and all this stuff because they just love American music, you know? So, so it opens a lot of doors. And in that, I was able to see and participate with just tons of different ministries that are at work around the world. And, uh, and so Compassion was one of those. But even to the things that you were saying earlier... Uh, the fact that they were gospel centered, that they wanted, that, that intricate to their ministry was that people came to know Jesus as their Savior. So it moved beyond just giving somebody bread. We gave them the bread of life, right? And then also that they worked exclusively with the local church. Man, I am a local church kid. I mean, when I sang in the early service, I was like, man, this is like, totally, it like, looks, smells, feels like the church that I grew up in, you know? And man, lady got up there and played the piano at the end, and just, it was awesome, you know, her ability to play, and the, what was the gentleman that sang?
0: That's Bob. Bob, man,
1: have you guys heard Bob sing? He, like, crush it. Like, what 50 years, he's been leading choirs, and, and you know, anyway, all to say is that I love the local church, and, you know, I think it was Rick Warren that said, there's there's no plan B, you know, that... that the local church is God's plan A, his only plan for reaching the world with the gospel. And so Compassion does that. They partner with the local church. So every kid that's sponsored, every one of them, that child is connected to a local church. So when you hear Compassion Project, think church. You know, So when you go visit a Compassion Project, you go to a church and you meet the pastor and the team of volunteers that work there. And when they come to get a meal or get health care or get new clothes or whatever it is, they come to the church, and so they develop relationships. Because, you know, man, if a pastor's worth his weight, he knows the community that his church sits in, you know? And so when you want to know how do we help this place, like Guatemala, how do we help that, you help it by talking to the pastor because he knows that community. So that's when I saw all those things at work, and to your point, when I realized that it wasn't just some random, you know, photo, that it was, you know, the, there weren't like, you know, a hundred packets that all had the same kid's photo on it, but every single one is unique. And I've been in hundreds of homes where that kid has come running out with letters from people like you and I who have written to them as their sponsor. I mean, I just realized that it's a giant ministry that operates in a very small relational kind of model.
0: Yeah, that is really just, that. that's the thing that's so impressive is that we, we sing and we believe God knows every child's name. But when we know their name, we're, we're doing something that's more than just throwing money at it. Yep. We're actually saying this one child God has entrusted to my care, to a degree, right. in, to help that child come to faith in Jesus, but also to, to be raised up to know Him and be a leader and be a father or mother or whatever. That's, that's just mind-blowing. Um, you remember the story about how that song was written, uh, He Knows My Name, with Tommy. O- Let me change your mic out. We're- Is that me? Yeah, I think it's you again.
1: I hate it when he's right. Try that. Hello. So- Beautiful.
0: Sorry about that.
1: I don't know this story. Please tell me.
0: When uh, maybe it was West that told it, where Tommy Walker was yes, was there. That is right. Do you that remember is, it now? Yep,
1: I do. Yep, but still tell it because I'll get it wrong.
0: <laughs> I was setting it up for you. Yeah, I don't remember I the details.
1: We should really work some of this we out before probably. we're in front of people. Whatever.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why do that? we
1: like Jeff in the Jeff. last service. He's like, remember that one about? <laughs>
0: it's like, so he was. Um, uh, he was there with the crowd, and a little boy came up and said, "Hi, my name is so and so." said, "Hi, how you doing? Great." And he left, and then a couple. Of that's right. A time later, the yeah. kid came back up, hey, my name is so-and-so. Do you remember? And he, did, or, he
1: didn't remember. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And then he came back a third time and said, do you remember my name? And fortunately, Tommy had the presence of mind to know, to remember the name. And he said, yes, your name is so-and-so. And the kid turned around, he knows my name. Yeah. Apparently went back to the hotel room and, and wrote, wrote that, that song.
1: And that's, man, that, uh, you know, you and I both wish, wish Wes could have come because that guy, I've traveled all over the world with him. And he, his ability to remember his kids' names is just amazing. They call him Papa Wes all, all over the world. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I would want you guys to know as it relates to compassion is that I just, I know, like you were saying, Jeff, there's so many people after our finances, after our time, after our influence, all of that. And uh, I would just want you to know, man, I wouldn't. I mean, I like you, and I love singing, but I wouldn't come to the church and talk about compassion if I didn't deeply believe. I mean, this thing is like, this ministry has deeply and fundamentally changed my life and the direction of my family. And I also just think, uh, I think in a world where everything is either politicized or monetized, sometimes when we can be a part of something that is neither of those things, is that this is really just about doing something that is responding to the gospel. Your reference of Jesus special place in his heart for children, I believe is not I believe that's dead on true and theologically sound that he he cares deeply about those in need. And I would just say if you don't have any poor friends or if poverty is not a part of your life, find some, get involved with it because what I would tell you about sponsorship is that it is not about what yes, it feels like I'm helping, I'm making a difference. I felt the same thing when we adopted Anna and Ashley. I was like, we're going to go to China, we're going to rescue these kids, we're going to get them back, we're going to change their lives. And with God's help, we did all that. But whether it was adoption or sponsorship through compassion, I will never repay them for what it did for me. Because that is what God does, right? He, he loves us through the things he calls us to. I know so many of us have that story. We got involved in something to help, and we find out we got more than we could ever give back. And that's what sponsorship's been for me and my family.
0: So it's 38 bucks a month. Yeah. And uh, I was processing that a little bit, going, okay, what do I spend $38 on? Now that's a family at a fast food place, if you have a family of three, maybe four, if you're skimping, right? It's, it's one meal at a nice restaurant. And I started thinking about my own life, going, you know, do I sacrifice anything for the gospel? I mean, yeah, I, I guess if we played it all out, there are certainly things that I, I don't do because of time and all. But when it comes to resources, I mean, I, we're, we're, we're well, I mean, I eat three meals a day, every day, sometimes more. Um, I, rel- I never sleep in a box. Uh, sometimes I'll sleep outside if I'm camping, but that's my choice. You know, I have a vehicle, mode of of transportation, and I start going, I have access to health care. I've got a church family that I can get to in one minute from my home. I start thinking about this and I stuff what, what does it cost me to follow Jesus? And so this is something that I can say, I'm not gonna do this once a month, so that I can possibly change the life and eternity of a child and here's the number that really stands out two million kids right now there are by conservative estimates three hundred and fifty million kids in abject poverty across the world that's conservative right so two mil- two million and there's three hundred and fifty million this, this this is barely... Right. I mean...
1: I was at... I got to be... Jimmy Miato is the current president of Compassion. Awesome guy. Raised in El Salvador. Harvard MBA guy. Just loves the poor. And I was at an event where they celebrated the two millionth sponsored child. And, you know, for Wes, where he started... I mean, it just... It does seem overwhelming. And they had a... And he goes... You know, they just had the celebration. And it was awesome. And then he threw that statistic up, whatever that is... 400 million children still living in abject poverty. He just looked at his staff of all those people and just said, let's get back to work, you know, <laughs> and went back at it. So a very limited celebration. And yeah, I think it can be overwhelming. I just really believe that we just look at it. I mean, they all, Compassion says it's one child at a time. You know, we can be overwhelmed by the size of the problem. But I, when I first started working with Compassion back in the late 80s, uh, the number of children that died every day from lack of clean water and food to drink has dramatically dropped in the world, dramatically. There's a huge impact being made. And I believe a big part of that is because the church generationally has continued to step up. And I would just add to you, Jeff, on the money part, y'all, it's, I mean, it's not about the money. As my pastor back home says, if you're, if your car has a house, you are rich, and it is wow. something that there's a lot of money that we go in other places with whatever, but if I say, can you scrape, scrape up 38 bucks a month, the vast majority of us can do that, irregardless of the situation that we're in, and so I would not encourage you to look at it financially. I would encourage you to look at it as a sense of calling of what God wants you to do. I'm not a prosperity doctrine guy, hate it, never would, but I will say, I believe, and you mentioned it earlier today, when you step in faith and what God wants you to do, have we not watched him provide for us over and how many of us end ended up in the ditch when God said, go, you know, he provides for us and he does. And I've seen that over and over in sponsorship.
0: Yeah, that's uh, uh, Matthew chapter 25, parable of talents. Yeah. Those who got five, God said, okay, you've you done well, you managed it well. I'm going to give you double, two and 10. So all of that being said, I have been waiting for this day since the fall. Yeah. I've been been holding back, clicking the button on the Compassion site, wanting to sponsor a child because I wanted to do it with my church family. So today, I'm going to sponsor a child. I'm going to go over here and do like everybody else gets to do. I'm going to pick one off, and I'm going to sponsor. Strategically, we have... Asked Compassion to send us packets on kids who are in within one hour of Momos in Guatemala. Now, we already work in Guatemala. We've been in Guatemala for multiple years now. We have trips that go just about every year. And so the reason for that is because strategically it gives us a, a way that we have uh, the ability to go and visit with our kid and keep up with them. And it also connects us a little tighter to the work that God is doing through us in multiple areas there. So... Um, after the service right over in the dining room you can go through the compassion journey it takes about 15 minutes you put on a pair of headphones and it walks you through the life of a child from Uganda and it shows you what their schoolroom would be like and what their house would be like some things about what they eat what their life is like and then at the end it gives you the opportunity to say yes to sponsoring a child and again This is if God leads you to steward in that way. If he doesn't, then you answer to God because God is the one who really tells us what to do. That's okay. Um,
1: I mean, guilt and shame can help, but they're not. But
0: But wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. (laughs) Yeah. Um I, I told Compassion my goal is for us to sponsor a hundred children awesome, today. Man. Well
1: you get wait till you get your first letter, y'all. And some of you do this already. Thank you for being yeah. a part of it.
0: Actually, how many of you are already compassion sponsors? Can I see your hand? Yeah. Yes, awesome. I see that hand. Amen. Yes, I see the hand. Wow, that is it, amazing. As isn't my
1: it? as my wife told me when we were adopted, maybe it's time to have another child. That's all I'm saying. Just <laughs> consider it. There's room for, if there's room in your heart
0: there's room at for the more.
1: Yeah. And I I think y'all that uh, you will really find that it enriches your life in a, in a deep way. And I think there's something about, this is, this is the only thing that will smack of, of salesmanship is this little bit I want to say right here. And that is that I encourage you to, if you're going to sponsor a child, do it here this morning, because you know how it is, man. You get home and there's like 800 other things and you know, later becomes maybe and then becomes never. And I've done it. I'm, I'm speaking from experience. I do it all the time. And so if God's moving you to do this, talk to the Compassion volunteers. They're awesome people. Mark Frieden and I, Mark knows as much about Compassion as anybody I know. Been on dozens of trips and has been a part of some of the largest Compassion Sundays in, in the country. Amazing stories. So, but if you feel compelled, you know, the lunch line, it'll get shorter. you won't have to wait. It'll be great.
0: So what people don't know about Mark either is that he is a master chef Amen. He in is. every possible way. Mark was the chef for our event- adventure back in uh, South Dakota. And when I say chef, I don't mean like Walmart style. Yeah, we're talking pretty fancy. Michelin star and brother.
1: Anything well else you done. can, not and you can woodwork. I hate you. Is
0: there anything You're, you can't uh, do? You can
1: do it all. <laughs> Guitar I mean, player, singer, chef, whatever <laughs> enough about him. let's get back to us and the kids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, so we're going to start wrapping this up. Um, I really really, really wanted you to meet these guys a couple of reasons. One, I just wanted you to to catch a sense of their humility and their kindness do you do you sense that? you know so oftentimes you can you can get big on the road and and you can you can become uh Pretty impressed with yourself. These guys could be anywhere in the world today. They've chosen to be here with us because they make much of Jesus and little about themselves. But what I also want you to know is that because Jesus is so central in their life, you guys live a great life. I mean, you get to see fruit all over the place, and it's fun. Do you regret any of it?
1: I don't, man. There's a few late-night dining choices Mark and I made on the road that I regret, <laughs> but that's about it. And I do want to say, and he, we didn't, this is, this is not, well, none of this has been on script, but say this, y'all. Uh, I, being a pastor is a hard job. I meet a lot of them. Mark and I have been in thousands of churches, and when we were together, you, you acted like a guy that loved the people that you serve. And now getting to be here and meet them and see them, I see why. But at the same time, I just want you to know, this is a guy that when he's away, when he's away from you, he acts like a guy that, lo- a guy that loves his church because uh, he does. And so pray for your pastor. Treat him good. Love on him. Because uh, it's not an easy job. I mean, whatever, two hours a week. But whatever, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, you you had it perfect, and <laughs> I mean, it's like lift them up, bring them down, lift them up. That's all right, Mister Hasbain. <laughs> Ouch! Wow, wow. <laughs> you know what's funny? I actually was sitting over here th- thinking, man, I should have asked him to do the song the next thing. Oh, and we played. How it. many of you that's was awesome. were blessed by that song? Anybody? Yeah. I'm awesome. telling you what, that is that is that is it in the in a nutshell right there. Turn the house lights on, if you will, please. I want I want you to see the faces of our people. Awesome. I want you to know these are some of the greatest people I have ever met in my entire life. Let me tell you why. Because they do love Jesus. They come from all kinds of messed up backgrounds, and yet they don't have to pretend to be somebody they're not because they know they've been redeemed. Uh, They're incredibly generous. They're incredibly gracious. And, and I get to call them my friends. Awesome. And now you get to call them your friends Amen. too. Amen. So we're going to pray. Yeah. And then we're going to give folks, you're going to do another song. Yeah. And we're going to give folks a chance just to, to process what, you know, it's, again, it wasn't a traditional service. We didn't right. do a traditional sermon with all the different things. But, but I think that we need to realize that, that the gospel is not just one narrow way of sharing it. We share the gospel through the word. We share the gospel through our stories. We share yeah. the gospel through our life. Yeah. And, uh, and I really hope that comes out.
1: Today. I mean, we know, I mean, give you an example. I know that in 2020, because that's the before COVID, that's the last statistics we had, that 150,000 kids gave their lives to Jesus Christ through the circle of their sponsorship. Wow. You know, so even here, yeah, clap right there. Oh, that's man. awesome. But even here... Because I know one of the things we never wanted to feel, we never want to feel like there's, like you said, guilt or shame or twisting your arm. We really just want to be able to say, obviously we know the need is great, but here's like this amazing thing that God's already done and is doing that we we can be a part. And I tell you, man, when people that care about the world and need and opportunity intersect, God does some great stuff. So that's why we're so thankful to be with y'all this morning.
0: And as a church, we're going to look long and hard on, on what we do in kids' ministry and how we're reaching kids in our own context. We're not just going to reach them over there. We're going to reach them right here because it's not an either or. It's a both and. You can't love kids over there if you don't love kids here. And you can't love kids here if you're not loving kids over there. It That's really right. is. Kids, what's the song? Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. First song we ever learned in kindergarten, right? Let's live that out. Let's live it out. Will you stand with me? Father in heaven, I pray that you would, uh, that you would open up our hearts and our, and our, our eyes to see your passion for children. God, I pray that the whole point of this day would be for us to be on, on your, for us to love the things that you love and the ones that you love and for us to to give all that we can towards reaching children with the gospel. Father, thank you for the Christ-centered ministry of compassion that works solely through the local church and it's a team effort god that we get to be a part of this so thank you i pray lord that as we as we sing this song you would just just comfort our hearts and remind us of the next thing